What's up, everybody, and welcome to our recording here at Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Brent. That's Matt. And we are here to talk about the Next Generation episode, The Pegasus. Matt, we are running out of Next Generation episodes. <laughs> running out? Right, right. Yeah. No, you're just skipping over out. all of them. We are running out of Next Generation episodes because uh, it is coming fast and hard. Anyway. Talking about the Pegasus, so Matt, why don't we uh, why don't we go ahead and get into it, buddy? We should do that. Let's do it. The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Study. Beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I've seen every episode of Star Trek 47 times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we are on a mission to introduce people to the universe of Star Trek by watching only the most important episodes that deal with the overall lore of Star Trek, the history of Star Trek, and probably, nah, definitely, most importantly, the timeless message of Star Trek. And you know what, Brent? What else should be timeless is Brent Allen Day. We are implementing Brent Allen Day. And if you want to enter your clay sculpture or paper puppet thing, or drawing, or a banner, or whatever you want to do. You can do that over at beamyuppod.com. Head over to beamyuppod.com, and you can contact us and show us your Brent Allen Day artwork. And by the way, I will be judging those entries, so make them good, people. That's how I, it works. I do not give grace depending on your age or skill level. <laughs> it's got to be good. I don't care where you, you know, who you are, or where you come from. So, <laughs> well, today's episode, I like that Brent Allen day. That's fun. Let's celebrate that. Oh, can I have the banner? Yeah. If your kids make it. Banner? Yeah. Well, today's episode is the 12th episode of season seven, the final season of Star Trek, the next generation called the Pegasus, or as I like to call it, it's the one with John Locke. In case you don't remember or didn't watch this one first, this is the one where Riker's past comes back to haunt him in the form of his former captain, and Riker has to rethink some decisions he has made in the past. Matt, before we get into the recap of this episode, I'll give you a chance. What are some of your overarching thoughts on this episode, The Pegasus? It's a solid episode. It's very Star Trek. Very I mean, Star Trek, yes. I... It, it it really took on that Star Trek formula, if if you can say there's a formula. But it it kind of felt like, okay, random opening. And then we're going to sit down two people in a room and say, here's my opinion. Well, here's my opinion. And now we're going to play this out for the rest of the episode. Right. And let you decide. That's Star Trek, right? That's Star Trek. That is Star Trek through and through. Yeah, uh, you know, this is one of those episodes, Matt, where I don't mind telling you there is uh, a lot of things at work in this episode that 
you know, I have mentioned for the very first time in my Star Trek life, I am I am watching these episodes between Next Generation and Deep Space Nine in air date order. I've never done mm-hmm. it. I've always just gone all the way through Next Generation and then all the way through Deep Space Nine and then all the way through Voyager. I'm actually watching them in air date order, and I've I've never realized before now. In fact, it's it's why this episode is in our run. There are lots of things at work, more than just a 30-second snippet of, okay, here's what happened. Like, there's other things at work in this episode that's going to set some stuff up for the future for us, and it, it really is going to play into this nature of the two shows going back and forth, and it's going to pay off several times in the near future and in the very far future. So the Pegasus was... I can one, see that. It's one that had to be in, in the run uh, for us, but I, I got to tell you, Overall, this is not my favorite episode of Star Trek. Well, it's I wouldn't fine. expect to be your favorite, no. Right. But I, I say that, okay, that, see, that's the good Southern way of saying <laughs> I, I don't, don't really like care it. for it that much. Yes. No, 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 no. It's different. It's different than I don't like it. Okay? Like, like it's it's it, it's more, I'm more meh on the episode. Like, it's just sort of in the middle for me. Uh, it, it's not my favorite. It's fine. It's not bad. Is it, is it is it in top fifty percent or the bottom fifty percent? It might be right at the fifty percent. Oh mark. come on, it Brent. really and there's an uneven number of Star Trek episodes out right now, so it is that fifty. I mean, oh, I, I don't. It, it's it would probably be in the top half. I would okay, say okay. It, it wouldn't be in this. It wouldn't be in this run if it was a really bad episode. Even I if it had really think... important items in it. No, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I might find a way around that. I mean, so far, I don't think any episode we have watched here has been particularly bad. There's been a few that you're like, yeah, it's kind of lame. Like The Child season two from, from Next Generation. But I, I, I think maybe we've hit a few that are almost like so bad they're good. There might be a few of those. Yes, yes. But this one, this it's one of those laundry episodes for me. You know, I, I'm doing work around the house. I'm doing laundry. This I know comes you have a lot TV, of those and I, I, I throw it up and, and I'm happy to watch it. I don't hate it by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not it's not one that like I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch this episode again. I, I That's my personal opinion that I will also say. And I've, I have come to learn this phrase from other Star Trek podcasts out there, and I really, really appreciate it. I will put the caveat out there. I think all Star Trek is good Star Trek, even the bad episodes. Like, there are no truly bad episodes. So I like them all. It's just this one isn't in the upper echelon for me personally. But like I said, it really has some important uh, things as we move forward. And I, I think one of the other things that might make this episode really hard, and this may sound very, very stupid. I have a really hard time seeing John Locke so young and and frankly, like so thin. Well, I I have to say, yeah, I like I I heard the voice, I saw the face, yeah. I could not put his name to it, and I could not figure out where I knew him. But I'm like, no, I I know him from somewhere. I know him uh-huh. from somewhere. And so I had to look it up, and I'm like, oh oh okay, mm-hmm. you have too much hair, and yeah, <laughs> y- your skin's maybe not sagging enough yet. Yeah, you, you need but a little more leather on that skin. It's like, yeah. I yeah. I mean, just yeah. I've I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything else, really, mm-hmm. at least not to this extent. Right. I mean, he, he has a huge resume, but I was going to say 
Let's get in and talk about that, Matt, because sure. now it's time for our character actor spotlight. And of course, first up is Admiral Eric Pressman in this episode, who is played by John Locke. No, that's not his name. It's Terry O'Quinn is actually his name. And he has been in a lot of television and a handful of movie roles. But the one he is most noted for is the one we've already referred to him as like five times by the character of John Locke from the television show Lost. For which he, by the way, he earned an Emmy nomination and he won. That year he won. One person he beat out was William Shatner. <laughs> uh, one other funny Star Trek connection, which I, I I don't know is an inside joke or if it's just a coincidence in the script writing, but in the show Lost, in an episode called All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues, the character John Locke is asked if he's ever seen Star Trek, to which the character goes, yeah, not really. <laughs> you see that's something i never would have caught or never would have realized you know the irony or whatever right because it i didn't know he was in star trek right uh well to, to go on uh with that they go on to explain the whole idea of the red shirt thing mm-hmm. like from the original series and then Locke comments is like wow that captain kirk sort of sounds like a piss poor captain <laughs> <laughs> so anyway anyway like i said I don't know if that was just the way the script came out or if that was actually like an inside joke. that. They uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it's John Locke. What can I say? And if you guys want to find out more about him and what else he's been in, he's been in quite a lot. Go check out his IMDb page. I don't have anything else to say really about him. I do have one more thing. I do have someone else that I want to get to and talk about. Sure. And I'm really glad it actually wound up happening because I was kind of scared it wasn't going to happen. Let's talk about the director for this episode. We don't often talk about directors. The director for this episode is a guy that we should note. He is a guy you might have heard of before. He's a guy named LeVar Burton. You know him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's LeVar Burton. I was going to say, the, the the other times I can remember we talked about directors or when it was Jonathan Frakes. I'm like, there you go. Okay. I think, well, we talked about Gates McFadden. She did an, she did an episode. Okay. Patrick Stewart's done a few episodes. There's been lots. And LeVar would go on to join Jonathan Frakes in the Trek director school that they had and he actually goes on like Frakes to become a fairly prolific director in his own right actually directing more f- episodes of Star Trek than Frakes did himself although Frakes got a couple of Trek movies LeVar Burton does not uh for the record he had 29 episodes 10 of them were on Deep Space 9 LeVar Burton only two of them were here in Next Generation and the rest were spread out between the other series He has also directed several, several other non-Trek pieces as well. Now, since we haven't done a spotlight on LeVar Burton, because surprise to me, we've had no LeVar Burton-centric episodes. Uh Like none. So let's go ahead and talk about him, and this will actually finish the main cast of our character actor spotlights for Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, LeVar is probably most known to me uh, through the 80s and 90s. Uh, he he was the actor who was most known to me personally throughout okay. the 80s and 90s. Like, of, of all the of all the actors they had in the main cast, like, I'd see, that's the Reading Rainbow guy. Yep. Right? Like, that's, that's that, that, the Reading that's Rainbow it. guy. Yep, the Reading and Rainbow I, guy. I think I've told, I've told you this once or twice before, but when I first started watching The Next Generation, I was like, oh, that's cool. They got LeVar Burton in. He's like a special guest or something. <laughs> And, like, I just kind of expect him, like, to be around for an episode here. Kind of like a Whoopi Goldberg. You know, she mm-hmm. sort of pops up here and there. That's kind of what I expected out of LeVar Burton. I was like, wait, when is he going to leave the show and go, you know, focus on 
reading Rainbow again or whatever else he has going on. And he never did. Yeah. Because he was part of the cast of the show. Like that was his his thing. Uh now the other place where I knew him from is really his seminal role that I think kickstarted his acting career. I could be wrong, but I think it did where he got the role of Kunta Kente in the original version of roots. Um, see, everybody brings that show up. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. Matt, I would, I would say do yourself a favor and, uh, it's, it's a heavy show. But sure. it's one that everybody should watch. I will but, say this. Yeah, go ahead. Just for how much people bring it up, especially when they bring up LeVar Burton, I, I hear a lot of people bring up Kunta Kinte before reading Rainbow. And I'm like, yeah, hmm. It was because it, may, it happened may, before may, reading Rainbow. Well, well, no, no, not just that it happened before, but like that's what they know him for. Yeah. And I'm like, I should probably check that out sometime. I'll have they, to figure out where I can watch that. They did do a remake of it. Uh, a couple of years ago, which was actually really good as well. In fact, I might like the re- like from a purely cinematic standpoint, I might like the remake more than I did the original uh, Roots. But it's it's like a big mini series, you know. It's like three, four, five, two hour long episodes. Uh, so it's it's quite an undertaking. And um, for the remake, Lavar Burton was actually one of the executive producers. So, so he was, he was definitely involved, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, in, in a big proponent of making that happen. Anyway, yes, I would, and to anyone out there who has not watched Roots, uh, certainly go watch it, be prepared for what it is and learn some history and, and, you know, certainly very, uh, uh, a very culturally important, um, television, much like Star Trek is Matt. Uh, now, we've already mentioned Reading Rainbow. Of course, that is Burton's big claim to fame, uh, probably the closest thing to his heart being Reading Rainbow, which ran for over 21 seasons on P- PBS. That is amazing. Now, he has tried several times over the years to bring it back, and he's been a huge proponent of fully funding PBS and the government. Part of his whole shtick has been to get his fellow Star Trek alumni to read books to get people to to, to kind of get back into reading. You know, that's that's kind of one of his things. Now, post Star Trek, LeVar has been a mainstay on the convention circuit. You can still see him out there. He's doing it all the time, but he stays remarkably busy and remains so to this day. Uh, Now, LeVar Burton was in a band called the Sunspots with his fellow Trekkers, Jonathan Frakes, Michael Dorn and Patrick Stewart. He also sang background vocals on Brent Spiner's album. Old Yellow Eyes is back. If you remember, we mentioned that when we talked about Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. And he is also the voice of Kwame from Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Earth. I forgot about He's that. Earth. Yeah. Yep. I did know that. Oh, man. Yeah. But I got to tell you, while there's so much to to remark LeVar Burton, uh, to remark on LeVar Burton's long storied career, out of all of that, out of everything, the place that I will always remember LeVar Burton the best is from his role, along with so many other Star Trek alumni, in the hit Disney animated series, Gargoyles. There we go. With that said, Matt, this is where we go through the episode scene by scene. You stop us when you need to, or when I stop talking, mm-hmm. and tell us what stood out to you, what questions you had along the way, what things you want to poke fun of, all of those things here as we watch the Pegasus. Let's do it.
prologue. It's Captain Picard Day, something important to the children on board, but Captain Picard isn't quite so comfortable with it. But hey, at least <laughs> he, he, he's a role model. <laughs> uh, and that's when he's interrupted by a message from Starfleet with a change of orders to pick up a high-priority passenger. Turns out it's Admiral Eric Pressman, Riker's original CO from the Pegasus, and Riker is clearly uncomfortable. And that's why he's here. The Pegasus is still out there somewhere, whatever that means. And the Romulans have found her. Dun, dun, dun. All right. We're going to start off with this Captain Picard day thing. Like, <laughs> please do. Please. Seriously? Do. Please like, please do. Yes. what, what is amazing. going on here? I want to celebrate Captain Picard day every day of my life. <laughs> I mean, and, like at first I'm like, okay, so th this is some weird Starfleet initiative that, that they have going on. They celebrate mm -hmm. the captains every year or whatever. Okay, fine. But then when he, he's on the, the, the call with the Admiral, and and he's like Captain Picard Day. What right. what is that? And, and so instantly I'm like, okay, it's not a Starfleet thing. This is an mm -hmm. Enterprise thing, mm -hmm. dude. Who's in charge of the Enterprise? Oh, Captain Picard. Hey, mm -hmm. if you don't like it, why don't you cancel this thing? I don't care if you're a role model or not. If you if you don't enjoy this day, cancel this thing because it doesn't matter what Captain Picard enjoys or doesn't enjoy it's for the kids now here's the thing don't forget matt you're well aware of captain mccard's like i don't like children uh -huh, i don't uh -huh. like children one of the things that they've not really dived too far into it but this is my own thing and i think patrick stewart's enough of an actor that this became a thing for him through his time with uh renee his nephew when we did the episode family and he got to know the child there um, through a couple of other episodes where he had to interact with children and through his time with Wesley. Mm -hmm. I personally believe that Jean-Luc Picard, the character, while he still sort of put on this, this tough guy exterior. Oh, 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 uh, the inner light after he had the experience of the inner light. Remember where he was that other person yeah. for like 40 years in his brain and had a whole family and grandchildren yep. and all that. He's good with kids now. So while he may be uncomfortable if you say, hey, Jean-Luc, it's for the kids, it's going to get him every time. Like, he, he's, I think he's just a softie for the kids now, and, and you know, that's that's why he's not canceling it, because <laughs> it, he's, he's, a, he's a role model. Yeah, but he, like, has to struggle to explain it to the admirals, too. I'm like, <laughs> okay. That that's just makes it awkward, man. I love it, watching him go. It, the, the best part for me was Riker mocking him. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> Fun production note fact. This entire scene was written by Michael Piller because sure. Jonathan Frakes had a Patrick Stewart impression. <laughs> and he wanted to write the impression into the show, and this is how they did it. Okay. I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all this for it. This is yeah. pillar filler to the max. Yep. This absolutely. Is, they're, they're, you know, the, the show had a, a big reputation for a lot of fun a lot of jokes a lot mm -hmm. of laughing and cutting up and that was one you know the jonathan frakes patrick stewart impression was one of them and they said we're gonna put that in the show and so there they go and it was it, it was perfect yes yes i agree so my, my only question is if it, uh -huh. do you you probably don't know unless you you have it in your notes somewhere but uh -huh. all those arts and crafts that they made had yes. sitting there on the table 
Yeah. Like, was that fan mail? Did they actually have kid staff make that stuff? Mm-hmm. Did the the staff make it and say, hey, make this look like a seven-year-old made it? Have you ever seen something that an adult makes that's supposed to look like a seven-year-old made it? And it looks like an adult made something they're trying to make look like a seven-year-old made it. It depends how much of a, uh, how good of an artist they are. <laughs> uh, actually, I do know the answer to that question, Matt, because yeah. it is one of my notes. The All the items seen in the Captain Picard Day thing were actually sourced by the children of two local elementary schools. Okay. And so they went out and made all this stuff. And also the property master, his two children, he had them make some stuff as well. Uh, so basically I think he just sent them to school and said, Hey, go get your friends and you guys do this as a class. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a great way to do it. Sure. It's like, Hey, make this stuff. You might see it on TV. Exactly. Real creations by real elementary school students. Yeah. That's awesome. So, but yeah, like the, the, the only other question I had about the scene, it's weird how the scene brings up so many questions, but (laughs) it felt weird that there was so much physical media right okay in this space age that we're in Mm -hmm. like it felt weird that they had like a paper banner Mm -hmm. and then like i understand you know the kids made it okay i get it but it just felt like you know it, it should be like a digital banner or something you know i gotta tell you even today and i can't say that the writers of star trek in 1992 had this thought, right? But I got to tell you today, as a parent in the modern age, mm-hmm. there is often a discussion between my wife and I about how early we let our kids begin typing versus how how much do they need to feel pen and pencil and crayon scratching across paper. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just as far as their development. And same thing with, like, books. Like, when do we just hand them a Kindle and say, here, go read all your books? Or... <laughs> Do we make them physically hold it? And that, I mean, that carries through to a lot of adults today. Yeah. Like, I can't read a Kindle. I need a paper something in my hand to be. Yeah. Like, well, like, I can read the Kindle. I prefer to read a book. I prefer to read a book too. I, I actually, I prefer to listen to the audiobook, but I, I can't do that. As much as I love podcasts, I cannot listen to audiobooks. Yeah. Wow. No. I didn't know that about you. Okay. No. Can't do the audiobook. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's it. They could have had it as just like a hologram up there. Yeah, I mean that. That's what I mean. Like th- th- there are options. <laughs> it, it, like even if it had like a, a, a hand drawn kid design, but it was just being like projected up there. Uh-huh. Like that would that would have felt better, I think. But yeah, it, it just felt weird because I mean, like they had a paper banner, they had a table full of paper and clay uh-huh. and all this other stuff, and it's like. That just feels weird. And they were going to make Captain Picard choose. Now, this is this is a thing that that is oft talked about in the fandom. I don't want to say often talk about, but it, I've heard it in multiple places over the years of a bunch of kids of varying ages and skill levels and developmental ages made these things for Captain Picard. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, go pick the best one. Yeah. Like... Yeah, really? you, you, yeah, you really? need to pick a first, second, and third place and really? four honorable mentions. I'm like, right. 
Like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Picard, does he, cancel does he this get to thing. Know, like, how old they are? Does he take into account <laughs> child development of, like, hey, look, he didn't stay inside the lines. Yeah, Cap, but he was four. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he was one. He held but, a crayon. That gives him credit, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah. I, I think all that put together, though, just makes his line as they're walking down the hall. You know, next year I'm instituting Commander Riker Day. <laughs> awesome. So the Pegasus. Yeah. Apparently a ship. Yes. Not expecting that. Okay. What did you think it was going to be? Like when you heard the Pegasus, like what did you think that was all about? I figured it was like a code name for something or okay. uh, a, a maneuver or a, a plan that they came up with or for all, or maybe just a code word period. Just, I, I mean, I didn't think it was going to, I mean, obviously Pegasus mythological. I mean, I don't expect to see that in sci-fi. So I didn't expect to actually see a Pegasus. And I, for whatever reason, it didn't click that might be a name of a ship like in in this episode we get the crazy horse which is probably the closest to a pegasus that i've ever heard right but right although the crazy horse was named after a uh, native american chief exactly yeah exactly pegasus was not obviously but i i mean it most of the other ships we get we said like they're named after like rivers or uh well, Other, the, the runabouts on Deep Space Nine are named after after th those are the rivers. Okay, yeah, but yeah, like aren't aren't they usually like places more so than creatures? You mean oh, like the names of the or people ships. even? You know, you know, there's over on the Mission Log podcast, John Champion does a really good job at detailing out ships' names. Like it's kind of a, a thing for him anytime we get like a new ship's name, and he details out like the history of that name. And it really is very, very varied. Okay. I just said varied like three times in a row. But like it's really like whether it's a person or a place or a battlefield or sometimes a fictional character or something that's completely made up. I mean, like they really pull these names for these starships from just about everywhere. That's fair. I, I think it's hard for me to judge at this point because we've been through like basically two complete series and I've maybe heard a dozen ship names. I'm guessing there's probably a lot more. And so just with my small sample size, I don't have a lot to go off of. So yeah, like you're, you're, you're right now. Like if you look at your episode count, like of all star Trek episodes, you're somewhere around like the two seventy mark of mm -hmm. all episodes produced. And you've watched like, like not counting Deep Space Nine stuff yet, but and you've watched something like fifty four of those episodes. Sure. Like counting the double episodes and maybe even the few extra viewings we've done along the way, maybe you're up to like sixty three episodes. Yeah. Total. <laughs> you know, so that's that's the point of this show is to to skim by and, and catch all that. But yeah, yeah, I can I can see why those names haven't necessarily and I haven't brought them up on purpose because uh, it's always more internal like oh yeah to like show writer why they name they, they they don't usually have any significance on the episode i usually yeah. write them down just for reference sure 
just like I write down like the name of every admiral we come across and stuff. And it's like in case I want to talk about them, it's like I have their name written down. But there you go. I, I, Admiral Pressman here is like the first one that like sticks around the entire episode. Usually it's they pop in at the beginning and pop in at the end. Mm-hmm. It's like, did, right. did you complete the mission or not? All right, cool. Right. So let, let me ask you this. When Pressman comes in and Riker's just sitting there like he's he's looking at him like like his 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 mom who he 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 looked at pressman like Worf looks at his parents from earth when they came on board sure if you remember that he's like what are you doing here of course it was much less affectionate yeah <laughs> you know but there's just a lot of she's out there and i mean will just looks like stone like this is not okay. This is not good. Like, what did what did you what did you read in his face? We now know what he was thinking, but what yeah. did you read in his face? So I I didn't get that feeling in the opening here so okay. much. Like, like I didn't read that much into it. It, <sighs> it at the beginning of the next act, though. Like I'm like, okay, they know more than they're telling us. Like they, I, I thoughts ran through my head like was the ship destroyed in a different way than they're, they're telling us or was there something else on the ship mm-hmm. it i didn't know exactly where to go with it like that's the only, only generic things i could come up with but it definitely felt like riker was I don't know, hiding something, not not quite hiding something, but like he, he had additional information. Sure. Which the more I think about it, like it it turned out to be true. Like that's exactly what's going on. Right. Right. And the Romulans are back and we're gonna be in trouble. We'll get to them here in just a few minutes. All right. Act one. All right, well, apparently we need some backstory here so we know what the heck's going on because this is a Ronald D. Moore written episode and this is the way Ronald D. Moore episodes work. By the way, Matt, I probably should have mentioned that. Ronald D. Moore is the writer for this episode. We have mentioned him several times over the the episodes. We'll get to a spot where we'll do a spotlight on him, but this is a classic, classic Ronald D. Moore episode. There's a mystery. He hangs on to that mystery all the way till the very end and does not let you know exactly what's happening puts all these pieces and all these threads in and then you go back and watch it from the beginning and you'll see it like there was a master plan the entire time like they weren't just messing around classic yeah. ronald D. Moore yeah story. And, and and when you were talking about before like this isn't your favorite episode uh-huh. i'm sitting here thinking i kind of enjoyed this episode no that's great and and, that's and, great. and, and so i think i like that style and yeah. i'm finding more and more like the episodes that you're like, eh, it was okay. I'm like, I kind of like that one. And the ones you're like, yeah, this is a classic. Everybody loves this episode. I'm like, eh, not yeah. so much. Like, I, I, I think uh, I just have a, a different taste than you and maybe the general public. And, and I, I really go back to Matt. I wonder how much of that has to do with a first time watch versus mm-hmm. people who have seen sure, this show sure, so sure. many times over and over and over. And 
I've had a lot of people like it and I'll, I'll always go back. I think it, this will stand out. Like when we look back on the course of this show, when it's all said and done yeah, and I'll go, they'll say, what's the biggest surprise moment for you? It, it'll it, right now. It still is. And probably will be is when Matt didn't like the episode duet from deep space nine, which was the one where Kira and that dude in the jail cell kind of went back and forth. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, I don't understand that. But as I talked to people and I said, what was your first reaction to it? They're like, yeah, I thought it was just okay. Then. The more I watched it, the more I fell in love with it. Like okay. almost across the board, that's what a lot of people said. And he'd be like, no, I loved it from the beginning. And I press him on it. I go, did you really? Did you really love it from the beginning? Or did you watch it again and again and again and, and you grew in respect? And like, I, I, no, I grew in respect for it over time. The, the first question should be, how many times do you think you've watched that episode? Yeah, that's a good and, and, and as soon as they say, eh, a dozen, I'm like, okay. Yeah, you've seen it too many times to actually remember uh-huh. your first time. Uh-huh. So there there comes a, a one of the, I think, the fun part of the show for uh, Trekkers and Trekkies like myself, li- watching this through the first time and going, wow, okay, that's that's a first-time view. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, hey, let's get to some backstory about the Pegasus here. The Pegasus was an experimental prototype ship when a warp core breach forced Pressman and a young, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed Ensign Riker into an escape pod. Only seven people got away before an explosion destroyed the ship so completely that no wreckage was found. Hmm, that's weird. At least that is until three days ago when the Romulans found a piece of debris from said ship. And now they're in a race to find the Pegasus before the Romulans, uh, before the Romulans do, who have a two-day head start. Speaking of Romulans... One shows up and Picard engages in a bit of diplomatic pose down while Riker and Pressman are catching up, wondering if the experiment is still there. Apparently, Riker is still questioning if they did the right thing. Pressman says yes, but this is much deeper. Starfleet is in on it and Riker is ordered to cooperate, but also to not reveal the truth of their na- of the nature of their mission, not even to Picard. Riker is clearly not happy about it, but Pressman presses on no one will stop us this time <laughs> yeah that gets awkward real fast i'm but- sorry matt i just I, i'm sorry i have to say this and if i'm jumping the gun on you i apologize you know how you always say that the key phrase is for the greater good uh-huh. which means somebody's up to no good yep i'm sorry when you finish it before going to commercial break saying no one will stop us this time that's some darth vader <laughs> stuff right there man <laughs> There'll be no one to stop us this time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird in this episode because this early on, you kind of get the feeling, oh, he's probably the bad guy. That Pressman is the bad guy? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you, so you're almost waiting for that twist, and it's like, oh, okay, he's not actually the bad guy. But... It's, I mean, we get to the end of the episode and I mean, it doesn't, it didn't really change. It didn't really change. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, the Romulans are out there, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) the bad guy is on your ship. Anyway, uh, going to do what Romulans do. Yep. Yeah. Can't blame them. I think I've told you how much I love origin stories. Uh huh. And so while this might not be a full origin story, just getting more background on Riker thumbs up from me there you go because yeah i i couldn't told you yeah he served on the pegasus 12 years ago he yeah 
now we know his captain's name. Mm-hmm. We know he was a helmsman at one point. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think everybody kind of works up the through through that progression, though. It feels <laughs> right, right through helmsman. Yeah, and and don't, I mean Riker. Riker is a heck of a of a helmsman too. Sure. Um, if if you'll remember back from the episode Chain of Command. Mm-hmm. When Captain Jellico came in and took over the ship. I, say, Riker. I think we've talked about him piloting before. That's well, you remember they needed a they needed the best pilot on the ship to be able to take a shuttle or mm-hmm. maybe it was the ship itself through something. And I don't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head. And Pressman or not Pressman, uh, Jellico <laughs> was talking to Jordy and he's like, yeah, I could fly this. But if you're looking for the best pilot on the ship, you need to go talk to Riker. Yeah, because Riker is it, uh, which was kind of weird like we'd never really heard about that before but you know i, I like they've they stuck to it yeah yeah I, I like that they brought that back around um hey fun fact yeah. uh this is the episode that features the very first black romulan huh. we've never seen a black romulan before this particular episode okay the guy that played that by the way was like like a writing intern who was one a guy wanting to be an actor <laughs> and like he it's just some things that like he shuffled around shuffled around shuffled around like hey you want to audition for this role while you're here he's like yes i would and so like he auditions for the role and he gets the part and then it actually like launches a fairly long career of like television guest spots nice like the man made a full career out of just television guest spots but uh the the, the significance of this though and I, I really appreciated this was this is the first time that we really get full confirmation that within alien species, different races exist, just like in the human species. Which is a bit of a comfort to me. I don't know why, like, like the idea that that Klingons are just sort of this monoculture and they're all the same or Romulans mm-hmm. are all the same or well, we, whatever, we, we do that with that we do that with every alien race, basically. Yeah. Because we we don't know any different, like right. <laughs> it, it's right. all speculation at this point. So right, it, right. it's and just easier to say, okay, well, we're you're only seeing, you know, six to twelve of this species anyway, so they're all going to look the same. And I'm just saying, you remember what the Klingons that we encountered in uh, the original series looked like, and what the Klingons we're encountering now look like. Sure. Just say, look, there's just different, uh, yeah. different types out there. Yeah, I guess, there you right? go. There different, you go. Different yeah, types. makes sense. Different types. That that I don't think they've ever made that particular thing a canonical thing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, more on that later. So the thing I was most surprised with when the Romulan popped up is that he didn't instantly know Picard. I've what made. Well, well, I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. and like it always surprises me when they pop up on screen and it's like, "Oh, Picard, I've heard so, you know heard so much about you." Blah blah blah, and like this guy, he does know of Picard, but he didn't necessarily like. He saw him on screen and he's like, "Who am I talking to?" and I kind of like it better this way. Th- this feels more natural to me that not everybody knows who Picard is right away. Not everybody knows, you know, who's helming the enterprise or w- the name of every ship and every, like, however you go about it. It just always felt weird to me that 
every single alien race, every single bad guy we come across instantly knows, oh, this is the Enterprise. That's Captain Picard. Like, I, I understand wanting to 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 make your characters educated or whatever, but I I mean, just here on Earth, I couldn't tell you the names of half of the world leaders. <laughs> right. And, and definitely, I mean, even if you show me their picture, I'm not going to be able to tell you, oh, yeah, that's the guy that runs that country. No. My, much less would you be able to tell whoever their chief captain is on the flagship of whatever the naval ship is that they have. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I mean. Just go, going even deeper into that. Could, it's you, like, could no. you tell us who the captain is of the flagship of the U.S. Navy right now? Nope. Exactly. Nope. Couldn't do exactly. it. Exactly. And so like, that's why it always feels so weird. Now, so when he introduces himself and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Captain Picard. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about you. Like, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I've heard stories about various leaders. Sure. I, I know some facts about different leaders. Sure. But, yeah, just I, I, I appreciated that, I guess, is what I'm getting at. It's like th- this is how I think it should go more often. Well, act two, Captain Picard and Admiral Pressman are having a private drink discussing, well, Riker. Picard admires Riker's willingness to stand up for what is right, regardless of how it may look on his record. Pressman doesn't get it. He wants obedience. And to further Pressman's shadiness, Picard asks him if he can add anything to the incomplete account before the loss of the Pegasus. Pressman says no, but if it wasn't for a young Will Riker, no one would have survived. Later, Geordi has found the Pegasus. It's lodged deep inside an asteroid, but the Romulans have been tipped off as well. Riker wants to destroy it. Pressman thinks he's crazy. Picard opts to mask the Pegasus' resonance signature and walk away like there's nothing to see here. They'll come back tomorrow. Two guys sitting in a room, having a conversation. This is Star Trek. This is also how... We, we introduce the theme of the episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, 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 these are the two sides of the debate. Mm-hmm. And now we'll watch the debate. <laughs> are you willing to stand up for what's right, regardless of how it may look on your record? Mm-hmm. And go. Yep. So, I I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I, I'm okay with this setup. It, it works. It's, it makes things very clear. And still, like, didn't, it didn't seem too cheesy. Like mm-hmm. I, I can see Picard saying that and I can see Pressman saying that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that, that part of it worked out for sure. The next little, little scene with Riker coming in with his broken rib. Uh huh. That was a little more awkward. Yeah. Like that kind of felt like it was pillar filler. Hmm. Like, and they tried to write it into the script. Uh huh. And it's like he he's talking like metaphorically or whatever mm-hmm. about you know making mistakes and stuff, and it just and the mistakes cost him. Yeah, but they like I, severe, yeah. I I felt like they never really came back to it, mm. and so it it felt kind of unnecessary. I, I wouldn't call it pillar filler because it's so 
and I, I left it out of this part of my recap. And yep. I'm surprised you came back to it. I really am because it, it, it is a little out there, but it's, it's such a blatant in your face metaphor mm -hmm. for what's going on with Riker in this whole Pegasus situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's bonk bonk on the head as, as others would say to, to what's really going on with like internally in Riker and what he's supposed to do this, this conundrum that he's in that we know something's up with it. But we don't yet know what it is exactly. See, and I think that's why I bring it up, though, is because it feels so weird, because it feels so awkward to be in there. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's one of those, like, well, how do you portray what these people are thinking? Yeah. Well, you you either have to have them, you know, the the off screen voice, the the you know little muffled voice of them talking in their head. It's like, man, this is what I'm thinking right now. Or they have to speak it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I mean could always, you could always do a first officer's log. <laughs> that, that's first true. Log, first that's officer. true. They do have a built-in method that. for this. They could do that. But that really, and they really, hey, here's a little note for you, Matt. Whenever they do a, a captain's log or like a so-and-so's personal log, Mm -hmm. generally that's because they had a scene written in the script and they needed to cut it out. And so they write a log entry to cover that, like usually because the show's running long or something like that and they got to get yeah. it down. Um, the, they, they write a log entry to cover that time and then move on with the show. I think they could have done it easily for this, though. They could have. They could have. But hey, show me, don't tell me. Riker's obviously got something on his mind, which, by the way, I didn't know that Riker worked out that hard with Worf every day. Sure. That's this is this is somewhat new information. Uh you know that they're going that hardcore at it. So Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it though. Um but then the the plan here. Right. They they find something. Yep. And I'm still not fully quite one hundred percent on board with how easily all of these spaceships federation or otherwise mm -hmm. can keep track of other ships in space what they're doing what they find I, I, like all the little minutia of what's going on on the ship they can just like scan them and tell what's going on right, mm -hmm, right. and so like i i understand they need to do it for plot reasons right they're like oh we 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 stopped here for the 30 seconds and oh now the Romulans are headed this way to see what we found. Like, really? Mm -hmm. Okay, that seems kind of weird. And then it's okay, so we're gonna mask it and come back later. Like, it isn't it gonna look more suspicious if you come back to the same spot later? Mm -hmm. And I mean we find out like they waited until like they were out of sensor range. I'm like Oh, man, you guys are just mm, so convenient, right? Okay, I'll I'll deal with it. Like I still like the episode, regardless. But it it just I think they almost wrote themselves into a hole, mm -hmm. making their sensors that good. Sure. Because they I made mean, their sensors that good, they made the bad guy sensors that good, and so they have to be that much more careful when they're going about these things. 
I'm like, come on, you guys are on the other side. I, I, like, I don't know how big this this region is that you're you're searching. I mean, they they gritted it off into at least 200 zones. And, I mean, feels like it's got to be pretty big. And so I, the chance that like the chances of them, you know, constantly scanning back to the other ship while they're off searching elsewhere. It's like, is that ah, man? It do, it doesn't it doesn't seem logical to me. I don't know. May, may, maybe I'm just not a tactical guy like that. I don't know, but it just feels off. It bothers me. I'm sorry. Always has, still does a little bit. <laughs> and this one aggravated again. It poked it. Yeah, yeah. And then one day, for plot reasons, the sensors won't work. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the sensors. Yes. They're yes. the sensors. The sensors. Depending who you talk to, yeah. <laughs> the sensors. There's a... Matt, I, I, I don't mind spoiling for it. There is a, a new Star Trek animated show out called The Lower Decks. Yep. I may have to cut this out of the main show. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just leave it in there. I don't care. There's a new animated show called The Lower Decks. And it it is Star Trek comedy to perfection. And so much of it is making fun of or appreciating what Star Trek has gone before it. Mm -hmm. Like, you wouldn't understand half the jokes if you didn't know Star Trek. Like, they're deep, deep cuts. You can't make these kinds of jokes if you don't love Star Trek. Yeah. Okay, it's it's that kind of stuff. And one of the one of the ongoing jokes they have through it is how do you pronounce the word censor? <laughs> censor. Why are you saying it that way? What do you mean why am I saying it that way? It's how you say it. It's censor. It's censor. Like <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. You will love it when you get there. I'll get there. Uh, <laughs> when you get there. So <laughs> all right. Uh let's see here. While we move on, act three, the deception has worked. And the Enterprise is scheduled to return to the asteroid at 8 o'clock the next morning. With that being handled, Picard is off to dinner, and Pressman wants a word with Riker. He can't believe Riker would suggest destroying the Pegasus. It has the potential to change the balance of power in this quadrant. Pressman reminds Riker that 12 years ago, the other officers on the ship forgot their duty and their loyalty, and look what happened. Hopefully, Riker hasn't forgotten his duty and his loyalty. Yeah, he just failed to mention to whom. Later, in Picard's quarters, he confronts Riker over what really happened on the Pegasus all those years ago. Words like mutiny and classified and mysterious equipment are thrown around. Riker confirms that it actually was a mass mutiny, but Riker stood by his captain. But he's under orders to say no more. Picard clearly doesn't like it, so he'll accept it. But if Riker isn't looking out for this ship... Picard threatens his job. That being said, the next morning back at the asteroid, they've determined the only way to get to the Pegasus is to take the Enterprise herself into a chasm in the asteroid, an order which Picard expressly objects to. All right, two quick meaningless questions before we jump into this. Yes. First, do you know if you can actually see people beaming? What do you mean? Like, if you beam someone from a ship down to a planet, uh -huh. is there, like, a physical beam? 
No, but I do think you can physically see the uh, little glittery thing, little particles. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think you see like a like a beam shooting. Okay, because like, like it just it just felt that. weird. It, it, I mean, it was only five seconds, but uh-huh. they're like, all right, if they spotted anything, they should send out the beam down their away team within the next ten seconds or whatever. And so, like, they're all just standing there watching the view screen, like they they can actually see something, like. <laughs> Uh, nope, they didn't do it. Okay. Right. Because otherwise they really just need to turn around and look at Worf and go read your sensors. Tell me what. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Look at the screen. Look at Worf. Yeah. Did they do it? Yeah. Did they do it? Yeah. Like, I think That's ultimately. A good point. I've never thought about that. Before. I, I think what they were going for was they were waiting for the ship to fly away. Uh, okay. But I, I it, it just felt weird because it's like that, that was the last thing they said before they all stood there and watched it for a few seconds. I'm like, okay. All right, okay. Good way to explain it away, Matt. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And then my my second question. Do you know if the ready room is soundproof? It should be. I think you, so. You I, would think, I think so. They, I think they have. That, that feels like it's the point of it. In, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But I, I mean, that, that feels like the point. Like you go in for a private conversation. But it, it just felt weird to me. Like that was my first thought when they went in there because – he goes in, door closes, and he starts yelling. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, the ready room is like just one wall away from the bridge. Right. Like, everybody's going to hear what you just said. Like, why'd you even bother going to the ready room? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay. Like I said, not really important. But, got those cleared up for now. Mutiny is not something I think I expected. Right. And I mean, it, I yeah. guess it makes sense because Picard even tells us mutiny on a Federation starship is shocking and unthinkable. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it doesn't happen. And so, yeah, it, it was weird to see this that, huh? Okay. And when Riker kind of like admitted it, at first, I thought he was, like, joking or making up a story. It's like, yeah, Picard, th- this is what happened. Yeah, we we just mutinied. Sure. Does that make sense to you? No. But, no, that's what he, he, he actually just broke it down for him. It's like, oh, yeah, this did happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's unexpected. That That may have been, like, the most shocking thing in this episode was that there actually was mutiny. It, it should be a shocking thing. Um, Spock at some point back in the TOS had mentioned that there had never been a mutiny on board a Federation starship before. Sure. Never mind the fact that he himself mutinied against the captain <laughs> and stole the ship to take Captain Pike back yep. to Talos yep. 4, if you remember that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, never mind whatever else may have happened out there. I think spock was being a little hyperbolic you know or maybe there's never been a mutiny that stuck or something so well and i mean there's a little bit difference between like one man turning Uh against as opposed to the entire crew it's true like can you really call one guy stealing a ship a mutiny like it 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 was just amazing that you know one guy can drive the entire ship i think yes you can 
by the way. I think yeah. technically it yes, a person can mutiny. Um and I gotta say this this is something that will come back around uh much, much later. Not necessarily <laughs> okay. this particular one, but the idea of mutiny and a lot of people want there's not supposed to be mutinies on Federation starships. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. There has been at least a couple others that we know of, this being one of them. Sure. So Picard and Riker get into their their thing here. Mm-hmm. And I just love that it ends with Picard being Picard. He's like, I'm going to respect the the chain of command here. He's an admiral. I'm a captain. I'm not gonna, you know, go against that. But you know what? But, hey, he, he doesn't say this expressly, but it's like, you know, I'm a captain. You're my first officer. I'm gonna pull rank on you, <laughs> right? Like I'm, I, I'm gonna use the power that I do have, and it's like I trust you. I trust you're not gonna risk the ship. But if I'm wrong, we're gonna reevaluate. Oh, oh, okay. Picard, nicely said. Yeah. 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 That is, this is a, I think, a quality, quality leadership moment on the part of Picard. Mm-hmm. He didn't overstep his bounds. Yep. He didn't force Riker to do something that he really couldn't force him to do. Yep. I like the way you put it. He kept within the power that he has. Yep. And one of the things that a leader does is they define reality. You know, they lay it out for exactly as it is. And, you know, he's like, look, I can't tell you to do this, but, oh, oh, I'm sorry. One of the other things a leader has to do is you have to be able to trust your people. You have to put things out there and you have to give them permission to run with stuff and to fail. But at the same time, you're like, like, while he had to trust Riker to do what was right, right? Mm-hmm. Picard is still responsible for that ship. He can't abdicate his responsibility for that ship. And so I'm going to trust you here. And if that's misplaced, then you're not going to be here anymore. Yep. That's not like that is a disqualifying event. And let me lay it out for exactly what it was. I mean, he didn't, he didn't mince any words. You know, he didn't specifically say you're fired or I'll get rid of you. He, he said, I will have, what was the words? I will have to reevaluate the command structure of this ship. Yep. And Riker was like, oh. Like he knew exactly what he meant. Uh-huh. Like he didn't come out directly and say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your job's in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. But that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, this is what I love about Picard. So, you know, earlier there was the conversation between Picard and, and uh, Pressman. Mm-hmm. Where Picard was like, I wanted somebody who could tell me no. I wanted somebody who would push back and who would make the right choice no matter how it looked on him. And Pressman went, I want loyalty and I want obedience. Yep. This is Picard kind of going, don't forget where your loyalty lies now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I can't, I don't know what happened then. I don't know what's going on back there. And I don't know what orders you're under right now, but you're loyal. You're here now. Yeah, you he, are, in, you are entrusted with this ship. He basically told them, here's your chance to prove yourself. Yeah. And then he let Riker go. Yeah. And 
let him think about it. I, I, it's such a good, really, leadership moment. So one more quick meaningless question. Okay. Do you know how the size of the Enterprise compares to the Millennium Falcon? Much bigger. Enterprise is much bigger? Yes. Okay. That, much bigger. Th- that's what I would expect. Yeah. But... Flying into an asteroid, I just had this feeling. I'm like, I've seen this before. Sure. But depending on the size of the ship, it could be a little bit more sketchy. Sure. So, yeah. It's definitely a much bigger asteroid, right? I would hope so. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like I said, given the size of the ship, uh-huh. I would hope so. But like the other thought I had was, okay, I get wanting to go in after and get this thing. Mm-hmm. I understand Pressman's want to get this thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to take this risk and fly a starship into an unknown hole in an asteroid. Mm-hmm. Why are you taking the flagship of the Federation? Why didn't yeah. you take the 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 crazy horse that you came from? Call them over here. They can't be that far away. Call them over here. Say, hey, we need you to fly down this hole. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to risk this the, the, the flagship, right? Like that. That I mean, that's the part that gets me the most. It just seems like okay, maybe take. I, like even if you want to transplant Picard and crew and take them on a different ship for this errand, like okay, you you want these guys in charge to to run this mission, right? Fine, but put them on a different ship. Don't risk this this big fancy ship for it. Mm-hmm. That didn't that didn't seem like it was worth it, but that I, I guess that also kind of played into how to show how much Pressman wanted this. It's like he didn't care. He didn't care about the ship at all. Well, I think that's the thing, right? Is Pressman didn't care. Yeah. And that's what made it so um that just clicked now as I was as I was saying it. So Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's really what made it so uh heinous, I think might be the best word. Sure. You know. Um You've you've really got me curious though, Matt. I'm sorry. I, I'm really trying to think about how big the Millennium Falcon is next to the like i'm trying to think of where a size comparison like it's much bigger than a shuttle it's bigger than a runabout so yeah i think it's bigger than most shuttles because it's like a full-blown ship but Uh when you you think about like the millennium falcon is always like attaching itself as a parasite onto the side of other ships Uh and how tiny it looks when they zoom out on those right and i mean okay i'm pretty sure like a star destroyer is way bigger than the enterprise. Sure. But yes, I think you're right. in I would think you're right in saying that the enterprise is much larger than the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the, the enterprise D could, it, it, while it is certainly smaller than, uh, uh, 
the Imperial, whatever they call them in Star Star Wars. I'm sorry, I'm not that much on Star Wars and their, their ship names. <laughs> Star Destroyer, is that it? The uh, Star Destroyer is a really big one, yeah. Yeah, like, but they the Enterprise could hold its own against the Star Destroyer. Like, it's it, it's going to get there. So, yeah, the Falcon would be the Falcon would be in there. So, I'm sorry, that's me getting off on my own question that I've never thought about before. Um, so, I mean, it was all all in the situation. I'm like. I've seen a ship do this before. It never turns out very well. Right. But the only other ship I've seen do this was, you know, fairly small and maneuverable. Whereas I don't think of the enterprises being maneuverable. No, actually, I was just and, thinking that. I was and like, and, and yeah, flying into tiny holes. I'm like, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I don't know how, you, like, are, are, are you just going to fly in and then back out? Does the enterprise have a reverse? Can you, can you fly sure in does. reverse? Sure I, does. I don't know. You don't usually have to. It's open space. Right. I mean, now it might be like thrusters. I don't know that they have like impulse engines and stuff, but it can, sure. it can, it can definitely do that. Anyway, as you said, meaningless question. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we get back, uh, get back to all this. So they're going and Hey, quick, uh, quick side note. Uh, shout out for one of the background actors. Ensign Gates, who's been, who's been at the helm of the enterprise mostly since Wesley left. Like we've seen her quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, she normally doesn't speak because you know, it costs money every time. I, about I was, I was actually surprised to hear that. Yeah. She says one line here, course plotted. Originally the line was supposed to be data's like okay. they wrote it in the script is going to data, but it was, it was the cast. It was Brent Spiner and other people who pointed out like, Hey, data's at ops. Data doesn't plot the course. That that person over there, it makes no sense for Data to say this. And they actually kind of went to bat to uh, send that over to, to Ensign Gates. And they had to go through and get whatever approval they had to get through from the writing staff and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, they had to pay her more money for that episode. There you go. So good on her. So just because you got me even more curious now. <laughs> Are we still talking about the Falcon and, and the Yes. <laughs> People have created size comparison charts. Oh, sure they have. Yeah. Yeah. The Enterprise is like the biggest of the big. Uh-huh. And like the the Falcon is They have it compared to like five other ships here. Okay. So they have the Enterprise. And then the second biggest one on this chart is Serenity from Firefly, which I know you haven't seen yet. Okay. But even that, I mean, is smaller than it, it's maybe a quarter of the length of the Enterprise. Uh huh. And the Falcon's like smaller than Serenity. Uh huh. And then they have like an X Wing from star wars and mm-hmm. uh viper oh that'd be Battlestar galactica okay yeah is it looks really really tiny yeah yeah for for you wouldn't know what this is matt but for for trekkies out there to me the millennium falcon's probably about the same size as a ship called the defiant um in star trek world uh so i that's where i would kind of compare them and they sort of have a similar shape 
type deal. They they look a little bit alike or a lot alike actually. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's sort of that's sort of where I go back to. But you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, I I have yet to see see those two ships side by side. You know, it's a little ship. <laughs> so, hey, how about Act Four? Let's do it. Inside the asteroid, they find the Pegasus, but it seems as if half the ship has materialized inside the solid rock of the asteroid. That's weird. But Pressman and Riker, and only Pressman and Riker, are going over to retrieve the equipment. And in 0.2 seconds, Pressman finds the equipment, but now, time's up. It's Riker versus Pressman. Riker isn't about to let Pressman restart these experiments. They were wrong then, and they're wrong now. And Riker says if he had to do it all over again, he would have pointed the phaser at Pressman. And here it is. So that he could stop Pressman from violating a treaty with the Romulans that the Federation signed in good faith. But there's not time to argue about that now. The Romulans have accidentally sealed the Enterprise inside the asteroid. Dun, dun, dun! So I I don't know my treaty terminology, I guess, or contract terminology, maybe. Right. Because they, they keep emphasizing they signed this in good faith. They signed this in good faith. Like it's mentioned like three times in the episode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, aren't all contracts signed in good faith i mean i yeah i i don't get it like is it, am i am i missing something here i guess is what i'm asking like is there something special to that phrase or no but it, i mean i i guess when you do sign something like that you don't go back on it like we're starfleet sure we keep our word we sign that in good faith so we are going to uphold that regardless of whatever else you might personally think or, you know, what have you. Yeah. It it just felt weird to me that they added that, you know, we signed this in good faith. I mean, telling me you you, you signed this treaty is enough for me. So like when they kept saying like, we signed this in good faith, I'm like, okay, does that mean anything extra? I don't think so. You, You signed the contract. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, this was basically the the whole explanation of the episode. It's like, hey, here's what's really going on. Here's this device we have. Although they still didn't, up to this point, we don't actually know what it does, right? Not yet. Yeah. So, he, he, like you said, this is Ronald D. Moore just, you know, leaking information out little by little here. It's yeah, like, okay, like Moore. now you know that we're, we're, we're breaking a treaty here. And they give us the name of the treaty, but... I certainly didn't know what this treaty meant. Did you know what this treaty meant before this episode? No, I didn't, Matt. Okay. I did not. In fact, this episode is where they created the treaty. That's what I figured. And so just like, okay, he named the treaty for us, but Mm -hmm. it still didn't tell us anything. Okay. You told us it was with Romulans. Cool. That, that, That tells us something. Right. But I don't know what kind of deals we have with the Romulans. Actually, no, I think, well... I think I've asked you about cloaking before. Have you? I think so. And what did I say? I want to say maybe you said it'll come in a future episode. 
or something like that. <laughs> like you probably did like, cause yeah, I think I, I maybe asked you once like what all, all these other, well, it was probably a Romulan episode and like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, why don't we, we cloak our ships? I'm yeah. sure they have the technology. Come on. So, so spoiler alert for act five, the, the things of a cloak, Actually, yeah. it's a cloak on steroids, but still it's a yep. cloak, right? Well, if the Federation is going to do it, they're going <laughs> to do it right, better, right? <laughs> We're going to be more cloakier than you are. Um, Ronald D. Moore says that he really, in writing the show, he wanted to finally clear up why the Federation ships don't use cloaking devices when everyone else seems to. Mostly, he says, because he was sick of answering the question at all the conventions. Sure. People kept asking and they would make up different reasons. Like they'd get it, you know, cause they, they never actually had a reason yet. Like they yeah. made it up in this so, episode. So, so they're just bouncing around ideas. They, yeah. Like, they canonized mm, the good? episode here. here you uh, go. But so some of the other reasons that they gave at conventions, I got some of these written down. Uh, cloaking devices are harmful to humans. And since the Federation <laughs> or Starfleet is made up of mostly humans, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, they, they couldn't use that there. Those aliens um, can safely use it. Okay, sure. Exactly. Other people just said, well, it simply wouldn't work on a Federation ship because the technology wouldn't integrate. No, um, I don't like that. Though, or the, the last one, which I kind of like this one, uh, as the good guys, the good guys don't sneak around. Yeah, that that's like the the best explanation i probably would have come up with sure is like that they're gonna be forward they're just mm-hmm. they're not trying to be deceptive right they're just because out they're the exploring yeah exactly we're not trying to be a threat to anybody we're not trying to yep. do any of that by the way that final explanation was gene roddenberry's personal explanation whenever he was makes asked sense man makes sense and you know pro- probably was at least in his own mind, why he never like wrote why he never wrote it into it. Yeah, exactly. Or allowed other people to write it into it. Sure. Uh, but this is the episode that provides a canonical reason of something called the Treaty of Algeron uh, that the Federation is not allowed to develop uh, cloaking technology per that treaty. Yeah, yeah. So. Basically, I mean, basically they agreed not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I. <laughs> kind of makes you wonder mm-hmm. how did they get that far in the development though it i mean it, it's an interesting thing to me that and i like this the writers and the producers and different people are going out there they're hearing what people are asking mm-hmm. and they come back and say do you know what question we keep getting asked more and more and more about that the fans really want to know is why don't we have cloaking devices or why xyz mm-hmm well, let's put it in an episode and answer the question and actually give them a real reason why rather than just continuing to let people speculate. I like Dude, the fact that they do that. that. That's that's a great development for yeah. anything. I, yeah. I, I love companies that do that. The, fir- the first uh, the first company I remember hearing about doing that, I think it, um, shoot, back in the day at least it was called like 76 Signals or something like that. Um. Jason Freed, mm-hmm. uh, he would always say that whenever people would write in with suggestions, he, he would never stop them from writing in suggestions, right? Mm-hmm. But he would read them and then delete them. Okay. And his theory was, if it was a good suggestion, if it was something people really wanted, it would just keep coming back. 
And so the, okay. the, the things that kept coming back and, and would eventually get stuck in his head, it's like, oh, people really want this. Mm-hmm. Those were the ideas you move forward with. And so that's kind of what I feel they're doing here, right? It's like sure. people keep asking this. Well, we should do an episode about it. There you go. I like it. I like Riker standing on the side, like while Pressman's like trying to dig this thing out and he's just sort of leaning over the banister and he just, he gives that, that little speech where he goes, you know, I really hoped until we got to this point that that thing would be buried or that thing would be destroyed, Mm -hmm. but it's not. And now I have to deal with it. Yeah. Which is a, it's a different leadership style than what we see out of Picard, but it's, it's Riker's own leadership. And it, it actually is really close to mine. Like personally. You know, like Riker, uh, until that moment, Riker didn't actually have to deal with anything. Yep. Nothing was actually a threat at that moment. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, he, he was just hoping yeah. for best case scenario. Yeah. And, and he was hoping it was gone. They didn't couldn't actually find it. And then there wouldn't be a problem. He wouldn't right. have he to, he, he, he wouldn't have to choose sides. Right. Right. He could, because it wouldn't have been an issue. It would have yeah. been a non-issue and you just let it go. And a lot of people I know think that may think that that's Riker sort of shirking back or shrinking back, not ready to stand up. But I I just say that's that's uh, not making an issue out of something that doesn't need to be made an issue, because what happened on the Pegasus 12 years ago can stay buried. Sure, Mm -hmm. it got buried, might not should have, but but it got buried and it can stay buried. It's not an issue. It would have stayed buried if the Romulans hadn't found a part. It would have stayed buried if if the the Federation didn't have a spy in the Romulan mm-hmm. court or whatever, you right. know, right. <laughs> that, that leaked this information that, Hey, they found a part of the Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Like all, all these things led up to it. It's like, yeah, it, it, it was in the past and it wasn't hurting anybody at that point. Right. But now that it's here, now that I have to deal with it, I'm going to deal with it and I'm, I'm going to pick the right side. Yep. You know, I, Riker didn't have to piss off Pressman until that moment. Yep. He could, he could just, you know, listen, he's, he's an old cootie. He's kind of doing whatever. Fine. Just, just let him go. He, you know, I still have a lot. I, I don't agree with what he says or what he does, but maybe I still have some respect for him just because of who he was in my life. Mm -hmm. But now I've got to deal with it. And now comes the time to take a stand. And when it came time for him to take a stand, you know what Riker did, exactly what Picard had said that he would do. Yep. Right. And he, he says that, you know, in, in Picard's own words, he was willing to stand up for what was right, regardless of how it might've looked on his record. It's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he did when he stood up to Pressman on that. So of course, in this particular moment, he's doing it in private between the two of them. It's not going to be a real thing until we get in front of other people. Yes, but as we'll see shortly, Riker's going to make sure it gets in front of other people. Yep, yep, he sure is. Well, let's get there. Act five, the Romulans are playing stupid. They do offer to um, help by beaming the crew of the Enterprise to their ship, 
and then take them back to Romulus for a short stay before being repatriated to the Federation. But that's a no-go. They do that, and the Romulans will just come back and get their hands on both ships and torture. And so Picard wants options. But there doesn't seem to be any good ones. Until Riker puffs out his chest, as Riker does. And he tells Picard about this nifty little piece of equipment that they just retrieved. It's a prototype for a Federation cloaking device, which is also a matter phasing device as well. And it's highly illegal and goes against the Treaty of Algeron. A mutiny by Pressman fails, but they don't arrest him for whatever weird reason and just let him stand there. Picard decides to use the cloak to get out, and as soon as they do, he turns and tells the Romulans exactly what is going on as a matter of honoring the treaty. Now it's time to arrest Pressman, finally, and Riker volunteers himself to be arrested too. This, he was a part of this. And in the final scene, Picard goes to see Will in the brig. And here we get the wrap up. Pressman's gonna be court-martialed, but as for Riker, when the moment came to make a decision, he made the right one. And he told the truth despite the consequences. And as long as you can do that, young man, you still deserve to wear that uniform. The end. So yes, the Romulans being typical bad guy, actually kind of comical bad guy. Now that dude, it's such it's the greatest type of bad guy. Yeah. That sly, real slick. What, it's like, oh, we didn't anything? know you were in there. Yeah, we could. We'll take you. Listen, we're going to take you back to Romulus where you'll enjoy a short stay as our guest. Uh-huh. And after a, after a certain amount of time, then we'll take you back home. Yeah. Like, uh, like why no. would you bother dragging them over to Romulus? Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, because yeah. we know what they're getting ready to do to all of them. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But he just, he just makes it sound so slick. This mm-hmm. is, this is in my opinion, and I've never thought about it before now. This is the best Romulan episode. And I mean that after watching the Spock episode, the unification parts one and two, uh, the, the one in season one, of course, and a few others. This to me is the best Romulan episode we have had since an episode called Balance of Terror, which I think, Matt, might have been our first actual episode. First or second episode that we did. Maybe, yeah. No, it wasn't the first. For Corbin and Maneuver, it was first. Yep. It was like second or third episode that we did here. Balance of Terror. It's my favorite episode of all of TOS. Uh, fantastic. Uh, first time we got a look at the Romulans. It's submarine warfare. It's just a great episode. I love this encounter with the Romulans. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's just good. It's just great. It's good. Yeah. So you you wonder why they didn't arrest Pressman right away? It, you know, it it harkened back to duet to me, like when they stabbed, like when the guy stabbed him <laughs> and then they didn't do anything to him and just let him stand there. Pressman tried to mutiny against him. Everybody said no. And then they just let him stand there and like be a well, part of what was going on. And then they arrested him at the very end. I wouldn't say he'd let him be a part of what's going on. I, I, I just felt like he wasn't a threat. He didn't have a weapon on him. So wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. You're telling yes. me it didn't bother you at all that they just let him stand there, like, on the bridge? Yep. After I, having attempted to mutiny on, on board I, the ship? Because I I, I, I I, was kind of laughing at him. Like, it, 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 like, I think that kind of rubbed it in his face a little bit. It's like, dude, yeah, we don't care about you. You have zero power. Are you it, kidding me? 
Yeah, no. Matt. Like, he, he had no weapon on him. The security uh-huh. officer just proved his loyalty to the captain. Sure. And so, like, I mean, he, he's surrounded by loyal crew members without Matt. a weapon. What is oh, he going to do? You're killing me. You're killing me here. <laughs> You have it one way in that episode and a different way in this episode. Oh, I thought I knew. I uh, I thought I had predicted this that you would have no, like a thing about that. No. Other oh. dude other dude had a weapon, was attacking people, killing people. He didn't have the ju- weapon in his hand, it was sunk in the dude's back. He didn't have it in his hand anymore. He wasn't a threat then. How do you know he doesn't have another one? Well, how I do you know Pressman doesn't have a phaser hidden in his jacket there? He would have pulled it out. Uh. Riker was just hanging out with him. Riker disarmed him. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, you, you know they don't carry phasers on them unless they're like going unless somewhere. Somebody's coming through the door. Yeah, <laughs> and then suddenly they magically have phasers in their hands. They, I, they, they, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced they like keep phasers taped under their desk. In the future, they use Velcro, but yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I, I was, I was hoping for magnets, but sure. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I, I did not have a problem with that. Because, like, he 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 was in the minority. Mm-hmm. He was in foreign territory. All right. Like, I I did not have a problem with that one. See, this one he wasn't me. Though. He wasn't a threat at I all. I don't care. It bought you. Just committed a mutiny. You're getting off the bridge. You're not on here for what's about to happen next. Leave, Mister Wharf. Have him escorted to quarters, or better yet. Have him escorted directly to the brig. He doesn't get the luxury like, of quarters. But like to me, like making him watch everything go against his plans, uh, like that's torture, man. Uh, yeah, not on the bridge. You don't. Yeah, um, I think you you hold a little bit of sanctity for the bridge that I don't necessarily have. That may be true. That may be true. Anyway, Picard decloaking in front of the warbird. Yeah. Baller move. And very much Picard, very much the honorable Federation man. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we broke the treaty. I'm going to let you know right now. Instead of, you know, flying off out of sensor range mm-hmm. and and saying oh yeah we um your, your sensors must have been reading wrong we weren't actually in the asteroid sorry like I, I, they- I mean, can you seriously though could you imagine there's this treaty the romulans have to know what the pegasus is or have some sort of suspicion they wouldn't be that interested in it otherwise right like they no. may not know exactly what it is, I, but they are really interested in this particular ship. I don't know. I, I don't know for that for sure. I, I assumed in the beginning uh-huh. that they they wanted it just because it was Federation. And right, but it's 12-year-old Federation. It's not even new Federation. I, I don't care. In my in my mind, at least, 
Federation tech tends to be light years ahead of most other races that we meet. All right. All right. That's where I picture it at least. And so if they can get their hands on anything, once they told me, Hey, it was a prototype ship. I'm like, okay, this makes even more sense, but it already made sense to me. Regardless though. Right. Of how, because I I think the Romulans are I I I think the I don't know that they knew what it was, but they had some inkling that something very special was up with what was ever in there. They know that the that the the Enterprise is in there. They just communicated with them. Oh yeah, I, and I, confirmed it. And I, all I, of a sudden, I, they turn I, up I back know. at Starbase two four seven. Yeah, like I know that they know that they're in there. Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, if if Picard would have flown off well cloaked, and pulled the cloak off out of sensor range and like then you know they they communicated with them sometime later it's like wait how'd you get out of there it's like i don't know what you're talking about man we weren't stuck right but that's gonna spot that's gonna set off a big political thing like like in a little bit of a way i think picard had to be able to say nope this is what it is this is what happened we will contact your government shortly to explain the situation and i don't think he would have had to i don't think he would have had to all right. I really don't because I mean, because then w- w- what are you looking at? You're looking at Picard's word versus this Romulan that we just met. Yeah. And yeah. who's going to, I mean, okay, the Romulans are going to believe their guy, but everybody else is going to believe Picard. I got to, I got to tell you, I, I don't know that this makes Picard a better man than me, but I would not have done this. That, that That's what I'm saying. I would not have done this. this. Picard, I would have flown away. Picard. Being the honorable federation man. Yep. I would not have done that. I would like, have I get away. why he I would have gotten away. I, 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 I also answer. I also think Picard is one of the only people who could pull this off. Either way. With, you mean you mean pull it off without getting fired himself? Because I'm telling you, this is what I know. If I were to do that as a ship's captain, the other admiralty would be all up and down my butt. Yeah. One, you do not admit it. Like, no, yes. you that, can't that, do that. The card's the only one who could decloak in front of the ship, say, hey, we're going to contact your government. We'll talk later right. and still keep his job and not be fired upon by the warbird immediately upon decloaking. Um, I mean, honestly, I kind of wonder. Because this would this would be another topic, right? Just like I was talking about everybody knowing Picard. Mm-hmm. Do you think every Romulan knows what the treaty treaty of Algeron is? Not the not the the regular citizenry, but I would I would imagine the military all knows what the Treaty of Algeron is. Do you but um Okay, so maybe maybe that's a bad way of putting it. Like, maybe they don't even know what the treaty is, but yeah, you're right. In whatever training they go through, assuming they go through some training, they, they have probably learned that, yeah, the Federation is not supposed to cloak. Or maybe maybe not even... Yeah. Okay, I guess I would agree that they would know that the Federation ships shouldn't be able to cloak. Mm-hmm. I guess I would be surprised if all of them knew why. 
it wasn't just they don't have the technology. It's not like they, they don't necessarily know that it is illegal for them to do so because they signed this treaty, right? I can see them learning that, you know, if you run across Federation ship, you don't have to worry about disappearing. Especially over the course of, like they said, 60 years ago, like over the course of 60 years, it's a couple of generations. Mm-hmm. Like, are they going to keep all those details in there? It's like, here's here's what you need to know. Federation slips won't disappear on you. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I go back to your original statement with this whole thing. I think you're right. Picard's about the only one who could actually pull that off. Yes. Because that's, no, you, you, don't, you don't admit to it. Just don't mm-hmm. admit to it. Everybody could know it. You just don't admit to it. <laughs> like that's because at some point politics have to come into play here because you know what? Somebody's got to go clean up that mess now. And it's not Picard. Mm-hmm. Like some diplomat, the president of the Federation, forget Starfleet. The head of Starfleet probably has to do something. Like, but like he and the other thing, like he could have even decloaked in front of that ship and just flown away. But no, he called them and said, Hey, we're gonna talk to your government later. Sorry about this. Mm-hmm. Like, once again, if he would have just decloaked in front of him and then flown off, mm-hmm. once again, it would have been the card's word against other dude's word. And it's like, I, well, I mean, come on, come on, Matt. You don't, you don't think they don't have like dashboard cams on those starships in the future? <laughs> we got you recorded decloaking. Come on now. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Let's talk about the end scene. Mm-hmm. Riker in the bridge. The bridge. Riker in the brig. <laughs> Not in the bridge. You're on the bridge. You're in the brig. Uh, Riker in the brig. And, you know, well, okay, let's back up. Let's talk about Riker giving himself up for arrest. Out of everything, for me personally, I don't understand this. Riker going, I will have to be placed under arrest too. Why? Like, I, I don't understand. I've never understood this particular point. Because he was an ensign on the ship following the orders of his captain. And now years later, when, press came, when, when the chips were down, he didn't support the captain. He turned around and turned him in. Yeah. And, and, and that's why he's going to get off, right? Sure. It's because well, why did he feel the need to go to the brig? I don't understand. He's feeling guilty for the way he acted the first time. Right. And that's when Picard looks at, I mean, Picard nods at him. He's like, yeah, okay, sure. Go to the brig. He's like, no, you don't exactly. need to go to the brig. You stay here. He goes to the brig. You that's, stay. That's the point though, is Picard knew exactly how this is going to play out. He's like, fine, you go sulk in a corner for a minute. I'll be, I'll be down five minutes to talk you through this. He sent him to the brig to give him a timeout. Yes. <laughs> yes. Go think about what you've done, mister. The I, I, right I, thing you just did. That's that's all it is. It, it, like he wasn't, it, it wasn't uh, worth arguing with him on the bridge. Uh-huh. I mean, really what it is, is, you know, the writers wanted to have this moment at the end. That's what it was. There it is. That's it right there. Th- th- that's what it that's is. That's it right but, there. I mean, I could also see Riker 
uh, having this moment once again in internally uh-huh. how are they gonna tell us that right right in this episode once again they didn't choose to do the first officer's log right they they decided to have Riker speak and act it out for us yeah and so this is him doing that again it's like hey man I, I'm still feeling really bad about this I'm gonna send myself to the brig <laughs> right right see here's the at worst Riker gets confined to quarters Pressman goes to the brig. I have seen people confined to quarters for much less than what Pressman did. M- or I'm sorry, much more than what Pressman did. So he just did this big thing. Confine him to quarters until we get back to wherever we are. Like, mm, no, he 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 would, you know, the fact he's back in the brig for that. I just, mm. but let's talk about this final scene because I mean, this is the, this is the Star Trek portion of the show, right? Sure. This is where everything, this is the moral, the meaning, the message, the tale, the whatever you want to say. When the moment came, you made the right decision. And despite the, the, and you told the truth despite the consequences. And as long as you can do that, you deserve to wear that uniform. Gipper, (laughs) pal. Uh, He says this. He says, you may have lost some respect. Yeah. Again, which I go, from whom? Anybody who reads this report will be like, wow, my respect's actually just shot up for Riker, not down. He was an ensign seven months out of the out of the, the, the academy. What did you want him to do? Right? What's the headline gonna read though? First officer of Enterprise uh, found to be uh, in cahoots with a recently imprisoned Admiral Pressman. Yeah. Right? That's going to be clickbait. Fair enough. First officer of the flagship charged with uh, treaty violation of the Treaty of Algeron. Yeah. And and so it's good. Fair enough. People are going to read the headline. And, and not read the article. You're not going to read the article. They'll read the headline. They won't read the article. Yes. Read that. the article, folks. Don't just stop at the headline. Yep. Sorry. Full PSA. <laughs> but but that's what I feel is what he kind of meant when he said that, you know, you're going to lose some respect. Fair enough. Because people aren't going to get the full story. They're just going to like, oh. Yeah, Riker was with Pressman on that. Mm, man, mm-hmm. it's not as good as I thought. Right. Right. How could you? Oh, so we got to we got to go cancel him, Matt. We got to go. 12 years ago, he did this thing when he was seven months out. It's time to go cancel him. Cancel the Pegasus. Oh, gosh. Anyway. Real quick note, Matt. Well, actually, a couple more notes. Uh, Riker's original punishment in the first draft of this episode was 30 days in the brig <laughs> and then being given a formal reprimand on his service record uh, that, oh, oh, that was it. And in doing so, it would it would end any realistic shot that he ever would have of becoming a captain, even after Picard left the Enterprise. Sure. That was the original punishment. They rolled that back quite a bit. Yeah, and I think they were right to do that. I mean, the, the, the Briggs seems, seems excessive. I could see the reprimand on his record for sure. Right. And, you know, c- c- kind of like. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see a reprimand on his record. 
I I do not, and I will I will I will stamp my foot on this. I do not see what what Riker did wrong at any point in this entire story from 12 years ago to right now. I don't I can't tell a thing that Riker did wrong in all of this. Twelve years ago, you could say he willingly was trying to break the treaty. Because the rest of the crew was like, hey, no, we can't break this treaty. And so we're, yes, we are, you know, starting a mutiny. But we're doing it for the right reason. He was a soldier following orders, defending his captain, fresh out of the academy. Man, that's a gray area, man. That, I don't think that's a gray area at all. In, in every storyline, that's always a gray area. As yeah. soon as you say, I was just following orders. They make entire movies out of this. Mm-hmm. If you're an old grizzled veteran just following orders, we can we can call BS. If you're still if you're that new into the service and you're that young, no. You're you're young, you're bright-eyed, you're bushy-tailed, you're 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 doing what you're supposed to be doing and a big piece of that is is you follow what your captain tells you to do. And regardless, regardless of whether or not they were right in doing these experiments, he tried to put down a mutiny and he defended his captain in the middle of a mutiny. I, I don't see what Riker did wrong on any level. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can see it going both ways. So yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I get, I can get the arguments that people would make, but I think all of those arguments have so many holes in them. It's not even funny. All right. So Moore also said, uh, writing the, the script, this is just another Admiral gone crazy and that there must be something in the water at Starfleet HQ <laughs> because it's always the Admiral, always the Admiral. Well, that's the thing though. Like they always have to bring in the Admiral mm-hmm. to give Picard the orders because be the bad guy. Who who else is above Picard that can you know force him to do these things? Maybe a Commodore at some point, but it's gonna be an Admiral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always the Admiral. It's always some 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 bad person in the Admiralty. Uh all right, one more show note, Matt, and we'll get out of here. I, I'm sorry, did you did you have anything else? Nope, I'm good on the episode. Okay. Uh, did you happen to notice the uh, the the name of the star base that they were sending Pressman to for his court martial? Did it have a name or just a number? It was a number. I I didn't write it down. Mm, I just said it a minute ago. Yeah. Uh huh. Like two seven four. Nope. Seven, close three. though. Nope. You're real close. Two, two, four, seven. Two. Four seven. Four seven. Uh forty seven. <laughs> Two four seven. All right, Matt, that's gonna do it for us here. Uh with this episode. The Pegasus is in the books. Uh so I will put it to you. Let's re you know, let's boil it all down. You've actually already told us so you've said yeah. you like this episode. Yeah. You like this episode. I am assuming that means you're glad to watch it again. Sure. 
what do you why do you think I chose to include this one in the run? No clue. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good thing. You shouldn't know why I included it yet. Okay. But it was a good episode. Okay. It was a good episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. I, I put a list off has half a dozen reasons you put it in here, and there's probably half a dozen more that I still don't know, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Well, Matt, would you like to know what our next episode is? That would be good to know. All right, we are going to stay right here in Next Generation. We're not jumping back over to, to Deep Space Nine. We're going to stay right here. We're an episode called Journey's End. Matt, you know we are getting to the very end of Star Trek The Next Generation. And despite the title of this episode, this is not the final episode of Next Generation. It should have been. But it is a final episode. Like that? Come on, man. It is a final episode of sorts, and I'll leave it at that. I'll let you discover it as you watch the episode. Okay. Journey's end. Uh, That being said, we really don't have any other extra viewings. I will say this, though. As we as we do wrap up season uh, season seven of Next Generation, we're at the tail end now of season two of Deep Space Nine. And I will tell you that the meat of season two is right here at the very end, and we're going to be watching a lot of Deep Space Nine season two here coming up in the in the upcoming weeks. And there's a lot of just really rich, deep episodes over there uh, as we as we filter our way through the end here of uh, Next Generation. I will give you one other. I guess sort of permission to go do if you would like to, Matt. Okay. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. New animated series. Yeah. You are at a spot now where I can I can say, if you would like to go watch Lower Decks, you are perfectly capable of going to watch. It's it's set right here during the TNG time frame. Okay. Um, and so if you if you wanted to, it's hilarious. It's great. I don't know how much of the of the jokes you would actually get, but you should get quite a few of them. Um, it's it's. I don't uh, want to check out an episode just to see how. Yeah, much. yeah. It's it's really good. It's really good. And if you wanted to watch it, now's not a bad. Like you could watch it and not like spoil anything in the future. Although I almost feel like I should watch it with you to see how many times you laugh and I don't. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not getting all the jokes. Got it. Right. Right. Well, maybe maybe we should do that. We have to set up one of these virtual watch parties or something sure. and uh, uh, make that happen. Because I would I would love to do that. And right afterwards, maybe we watch Firefly. There you go. There you go. All right, Matt. Well, that's going to do it for us this week over here on Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. Remember, if you guys would like to get in touch with us, you can do that by emailing us to beammeuppod at gmail.com or find all of our other contact information, including leaving a voicemail over at beammeuppod.com, all those ways to contact us. Please remember, we could use anything you say on a future episode of Beam Me Up, or we'll answer it on an upcoming Answering the Hails episode like we got released this past week. Matt, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you out there on the internet? Best place to find me is over on Twitter at As A Matter Of Matt. And I'm at Brent Allen Live across all the social media platforms. Would love to connect with you there as well, too. Until next time, folks. Live long and prosper. That's it, guys. Thanks for joining us. This is all the behind the scenes. You caught all the flubs. 
you'll catch all the things. Go be sure to subscribe to the podcast, the audio podcast, wherever you get your podcast out there. You get all the nice cleaned up version as well if you want to listen to us again without all the pauses, which we do very intentionally because that gets cleaned up in the in the editing process. So yes, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for subscribing to us over here on YouTube, and uh, we'll catch you later. See ya.